This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. The Summer Playlist has a great passage for us this week from the book of Ephesians chapter 2, and we've never needed it more. In the last year, 93,000 people lost their lives to drug overdose in the United States. During COVID in the United States, alcohol use was up 300%. Everywhere we look, there's violence, turmoil, people are in trouble, our world is in trouble. And we just sometimes lift our hands and say, what's the answer? Well, the answer is what it's always been. It's the gospel of grace through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And our text today takes us right to one of the most crucial keystone passages for us. So if you have your Bible, let's open together to the book of Ephesians and Ephesians chapter 2. I want to talk to you today about having two testimonies. And by that, I don't mean to suggest that any of us would be duplicitous or double-minded, but the Bible reveals that there's a way to think about our relationship to God through faith and then what difference that makes for us. And this is all unfolded in our passage today, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. Let's begin with verses 8 and 9, where... The Apostle Paul writes these words, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one would boast. This is the cornerstone of the Christian religion, that it is the grace of God that any of us could stand before God and be saved by his mercy. It's what sets Christianity apart from every other world religion. All the world religions seek to improve man's condition, hopefully that God would accept mankind. But Christianity is rooted on something else, grace altogether. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of any works, And just look at that last phrase, so that no one will boast. No one's ever going to boast in heaven that they got there because they were good enough. They got there because they managed to have their goods outweigh their bads. And God said, okay, you're good enough. That's never the way it works. It works that God moves toward us in his grace. And this is the most fundamental idea about what it really means to be a Christian is that you have received God's grace, his riches through Christ, and by faith you believe in him altogether. And you say, if it's all by grace and not by works, why don't more people accept it? And I think the root idea there is because we're all proud and we all want to have some part in our salvation. We don't want to say that, that we are in such a condition that we couldn't contribute anything to our salvation. It really is a sense of pride that it's not of us. It's really all of God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And you might ask, well, I mean, how bad is it? Is it really that bad? Well, since you're here, go back to verse 1 of chapter 2, and let me just read to you some of the descriptions that describe our life before we were saved by the grace of God. Here's what Paul writes. 
and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Did you get that? Dead. How, how responsive are dead people? You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world and following the prince and the power of the air, which is a title for being under satanic influence. The spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath. Whose wrath? God's wrath, even as the rest of mankind. But, I mean, so just think about those first three verses. How bad is it? We're dead. We're under the influence of the course of this world. We're under satanic deception and influence, and we're under God's wrath. It's amazing how serious that condition is. But look at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespass, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved, and he raised us up with him, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places. God did that to dead, demonized rebels by his grace. But look at verse 7. So that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God wants to put on display in all of eternity his grace and kindness because he saved people who were absolutely hopeless like us. And then verse 8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one will ever boast. The only thing we'll boast about in heaven is that God was incredibly gracious to us in his kindness to save us when we were absolutely alienated from him. It's what the Bible says in other places. Uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were estranged from him, and he moved near to us. So how bad is it? It's terrible. But God works toward us to save us by his grace. Has that happened for you? Have you come to the place in your own life where you have acknowledged your need for God to bring you to life? You must be born again born from God, born from above, born by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's what we describe as conversion, coming to Christ, being regenerated. And that's the first testimony that is the anchor for our souls. From this text and at Calvary, we want to say, do you know when you became born again? For me, it happened when I was 11 years old. I was at a church in Connecticut, and I was listening to a pastor preach and I remember him describing what Christ had done for me as a sinner. And I remember clearly at the end of the service, he asked the question, would you like to trust in Christ alone for salvation? If you would, let's all bow our heads. And we all bowed our heads. And he said, if you want to believe in Jesus, why don't you just raise your hand? And my hand shot up. I wanted to trust in Christ alone for salvation. And I genuinely believe in that moment. Christ came into my heart and forgave me of my sins. At the end of the service, we sang a hymn. Um, I'm not sure what it was, but it was probably just as I am without one plea. And during the song, the pastor said, if you trusted in Christ today, why don't you just come down to the front 
and meet with me here in the front. And I just said, no way am I going down to the front. And we started to sing. And while we were singing, all of a sudden, a hand reached over from behind me, tapped me on the shoulder. And he, the guy said, I, I noticed that you raised your hand. And I thought to myself, your eyes were supposed to be closed, dude. But he, he reached out to me, and he walked me down the aisle. And I'm glad he did, because at the front, I met with the pastor, and I understood more firmly what it, what it meant to really trust by faith in Christ alone, apart from any works. That's my story. What's your testimony about trusting in the grace of God? Someone has said, um, in fact, it was Blaise Pascal who said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God as revealed through Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to come to terms with salvation by grace through faith in Christ. Our hearts really are restless until we find our rest in him. That's our identity. If Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is our identity testimony, I'm in Christ because we have a vacuum and need him. Ephesians 2, 10 is sort of the purpose vacuum that Paul goes on to describe. So verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're saved by grace, not by works, remember? And then when you see verse 10 here on the screen, you can see we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's really important that you get the good works phrase on the right side of trusting by grace through faith in Christ alone. It's not before. None of our works will help us merit eternal life. But once we know Christ, verse 10 indicates that God actually makes us his workmanship. He creates us. That word create means something new. He makes us new. Created in Christ Jesus because of our union with him for good works. So that on the other side of salvation, it actually is the purpose of our life that our lives would be to do good, that our deeds matter, that what we do as a result of what we've received is part of the purpose statement that Paul says here. So I would say this is the second testimony. I might ask you, what, what's your Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 testimony? When were you saved by grace through faith in Christ alone? And you might tell me your story. But then I would ask you, tell me your Ephesians 2.10 testimony. Do you know the purpose for which God saved you by grace to create in you someone who would do a certain kind of good works, which he prepared for you uniquely to do? I love this passage because all of us are his workmanship. And I have in my mind a picture of a multifaceted grace of God that he gives to some um, unique gifts and abilities and others a, a unique personality. And we're all different, but that's what God blends together so that the church can be his workmanship to do good 
as he did good. So those are the two testimonies. We should practice asking one another, tell me, what are the good works that God created you to do? For me, I think it's pastoring and preaching and other things too, and they don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be a pastor to do good. And the good deeds that we do don't have to be elaborate. They just have an awareness of what does it mean to walk with Jesus. This text and these ideas of being saved by grace, but being saved for a purpose is all over the Bible. And in fact, in Titus chapter 3, we see this happen in chapter 3 and verse 4 and 7. Uh, Paul describes this very same thing about being saved by grace, not by works. In Titus chapter 3, verse 4, you'll notice, when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of, see it, works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy and the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by, see that word, grace, we might be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's all by grace, God's doing. That's the same as Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But the very next verse, verse 8 of Titus chapter 3, says, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you, you to insist on these things in the church so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So you see, God has in mind changing a people by his grace, forgiving their sins completely by his doing, not by their achievements, and then transforming our lives so radically that our whole lives are oriented in a new way a way toward good works, good deeds, being kind, being the kind of people Jesus would be if he were here. And he is here in us. And we learn about Jesus that he went about teaching and healing and doing good. So it's not surprising that this theme is all over the Bible. Do you remember this verse from Matthew chapter 5? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. As we think about the playlist for summer, this is one of the most important passages I hope you'll be able to go back to and say with certainty, I've been saved by grace alone through Christ alone, and I've been saved, secondly, for a purpose. And that purpose is to, to be like Jesus in the world, to do good. H how will we do good? Well, you might remember that in, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus said, I didn't come to serve, but, I'm sorry, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. I didn't come to be served. And that's the mindset as we walk in the steps of Jesus that we want for ourselves. So I've been thinking about how this applies to us together as a church. You're online today and you're listening to this message, but I want to draw you into the life of Calvary and share a couple things that we know about this for sure. Three principles that will help us think about our two testimonies. Number one, I just want you to know that Christians who believe in Jesus never grow as they should unless they're serving other people. 
Christians don't grow unless they're serving. Now, that may seem like um, an overstatement, but it's really not. Because the one who said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, is the one in whose steps we walk and we follow. And so we can't grow in our spiritual life unless we're also serving other people as well. And I might add to that, you can't grow no matter how much Bible you know. And we sometimes have a danger of just being locked in on the Bible and reading the Bible, but until that translates into our life and the way in which we live and in serving others the way Jesus did, you know, people who just know a lot of Bible but aren't really kind aren't that nice to be around. And Jesus wants to transform our lives, teach us the truth, help us to know grace, and then be in the world serving those around us, the least, the last, the lost, and be reaching for them. And I would just say that as we serve, we can serve in all kinds of ways. Because we have different gifts, the threshold of service doesn't have to be super high. We, we can do the smallest things in the name of Christ, a cup of water, meeting with someone, being aware of the orphan and the widow and those in need, the neighbor. There's so much pressure in our world and people we work with, people we live near, and being kind, being a servant in that moment is part of the Ephesians 2.10 purpose God has for us. Let me just share with you, I've been concerned about one of the ramifications of COVID on our culture, and I want to call the church to pay attention. I think COVID has, has moved the culture to be um, more protective, more reserved, to retreat a little bit away from engagement with other people, whether it's a fear of becoming sick or just the tendency to isolate. It's had a cultural impact all around us. And I fear that it has an influence in the church as well. And um, it will lead us to be consumers more than contributors. And I just want to remind you what I think this scripture teaches us is that Christians don't grow spiritually unless they're serving others. So I, I want to try to call you out and, um, and say, hey, let's, let's get engaged again in the work of service and living out our purpose as God intended. Now we have a, a place that we live. We, we live in... Our community in Calvary Bible Church is in Boulder and Erie and Thornton, and you're online there. But why do you think God saved you and put you right where you are? Why has God let Calvary Bible Church be in Boulder for 132 years, be in Erie for 16 plus years, and now be in Thornton for a year? Why has God let that happen? I think it's because he wants to be known in the city through the church as the church participates in good deeds and loves the community. So here's the second principle. I really believe that, that what's going on in the city, problems in the city create opportunities for the church to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Problems in the city create opportunities for the church. So as God puts his hand on us and says, I've saved you by grace, I want you to go do good, and I want you to be zealous for good deeds, 
He's done that in our cities. And so what happens in the city should be a concern for us. What's happening around us in our communities awakens us perhaps to the capacities of the church to meet some of those needs. We'll never be able to meet all the needs, but God has preserved our church in our three cities, I think, in order to bless the city. And so you'll remember that we celebrated the heart of Advent uh, last December, and you gave generously. And we are now listening to the gratitude and response of three different schools in Thornton and Erie and Boulder, of principals and staff members who are saying, thank you, Calvary Bible Church, for what you did to help kids get caught up after COVID. And they're blessed by that gracious deed. I love that we have done that. And it's been some some of the ways that we've partnered in our city uh, in order to meet the needs of the city. We'll never be able to meet all of those needs, but we want to engage every place that we can. And we need new people in our each of our communities and in the online community to ask the question, what are the needs around us that perhaps the church in living out our good deeds would be able to meet and thereby bless those around us? In the Old Testament, When Israel sinned against God through idolatry, God promised to judge them unless they repented. They didn't repent, and God sent Israel into captivity, into Babylon, for 70 years. I wonder if you just let these two cities land in your mind for a moment. Jerusalem, the holy city of God, and Babylon. The people of Israel were taken from their city and brought to another city. But God's word to them in exile was this. I want you to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will have welfare. That's Jeremiah 29, 7. In its welfare, you'll have welfare. You'll be blessed as you bless that city. I think that imagery was what is the heart of God for saving people like us and putting us in our city. It's that we would be a blessing to our city where we are. And whatever's going on in the city, just possibly God has preserved his church to intersect with those needs so that the third principle I want to share with you could come to reality. And here it is. Remember, Christians don't serve, don't don't grow unless they're serving. And what's going on in the city creates opportunities for the church to be the church. And then when we do good in our city, what we know is that good deeds that we may do leads to goodwill. And goodwill in the city sometimes creates the opportunity to share the good news. Good deeds lead to goodwill. Goodwill leads to the opportunity to share the good news so that God would be honored. Uh, We have a lot of stories of this happening. Um, I I know that when we intersect with the city, sometimes they don't want us there. That's okay. There are times when we can intersect and be a blessing to certain sectors, and then great things happen. And when you meet the needs of your city, you get doors open to you. Let me tell you a couple stories. About 10 years ago, The police department in the city of Boulder called us 
at the Boulder campus and said, we need to have an open forum in the neighborhood of your church. There is going to be released into the community a sexually violent predator. And before that happens, we have to have a neighborhood open forum meeting. Your church is perfectly located. Could we have that meeting in your building? Now, there's a question, would the Church of God host such a meeting to discuss such a problem? We, of course, said yes. We love our city. We love the community. And we hosted it. And when the police came and conducted the meeting, at the close of the meeting, they looked around the building, kind of walked around the Boulder campus and said, wow, this is an architectural marvel. This building is really unique. There are a lot of hallways that go places that don't seem apparent. And at the time, you know, they thought this would be a great place for us to do new officer training. Would you ever let us come and bring new recruits in here to do training for a day or two? Should the church of God be used for such a purpose? We said, absolutely, come on over. So they came over, and I'm telling you, in the building that day, there were scenarios in four or five different places. Outside my office while I was studying, there was a domestic violence scenario going on with dogs barking and gunshots. It was crazy. And I, um, I thought, how great is this that our police department is training their officers in our building? About two years later, An officer in Boulder sadly committed suicide, and the police department reached out to us and asked if we would be willing to conduct a memorial service for her, which of course we did. And our building was filled with about 400 officers in uniform and officials in the city and hundreds of other people and We brought the comfort of God to the best of our ability and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ to an audience we would have never been able to reach in that scenario. Why did it happen? Because good deeds leads to goodwill. And goodwill sometimes creates the opportunity to share the good news. At our Erie campus, a number of years ago when we began meeting in the high school, um, we said, if we're going to be in the high school, we want to be great guests. So we were setting up and tearing down every week, and we became partners with the high school and friends with the principal, and we just tried to bless at every turn the school in which we were meeting. And they began to trust us, and we did work days and projects and blessed the teachers and wrote notes and did all we could to help the school with its objectives. And about the third or fourth year, the principal came to our to us and our leadership and said, on Thursday night in August, such and such a date, we're having a back to school night and all the parents of all the students at Erie High School are going to be coming into the building. And we think it would be a really good idea if Calvary Bible Church set up a booth right in the lobby to announce to all the parents coming in that you meet here on Sunday morning. Can you just let that sink in? A public school system inviting a church to be in the lobby for their agenda meeting to help parents know what the school year is going to be like. How does that happen? It happens when good deeds create goodwill, and then goodwill creates the opportunity for good news. Listen, I want this playlist to be in your mind this summer. We're saved by grace alone through faith in Jesus apart from works, but we are saved for the purpose of living our life with good deeds. Deeds matter. And how we live. 
So I want to call you to take a step forward, say, how will you do it? Maybe it'll be in the church. Maybe it's time to jump back in and serving around Calvary. Or maybe it's right in your neighborhood or in your city or where you live that you're just saying, God, how do you want me to live out my Ephesians 2.10 testimony? There's a great verse, Titus chapter 2, verse 14, that sums all of this up. It says this, Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. So I just want to call you. Let's get to it. Let's be the church where God has us. I'm going to pray for you today, wherever you are. As you're watching online today, just think about where you are and why has God put you there. And if you've never trusted in Christ alone, if you've been trying to work your way to his approval, I want to call you, just stop. Just get on your knees, open your heart to Jesus, welcome him into your soul and say, Lord, forgive me. Be my savior. I know there's not enough I could do to repay what you did. I receive it by grace, through faith, as a gift from God. And then may all of us go out in the world today, this week, and every day that God gives us in a world that's troubled and fearful. And let's, let's be good to the world, that they might know there is a perfect Savior. Let's pray together. God, thank you for calling us and challenging us in this text this morning. Give us a vision for our life, a new vision, to rest completely in your grace and not strive to be saved by our works, but to understand that your grace has covered us completely and transformed us by mercy and grace that we would be a new kind of people who are zealous to do good in the world in every place that you point us. So you're able to take these words and, and lead us by your Holy Spirit where you want us to be. But I pray now that your church dispersed this week will go out to every place to be good as you are good, to do good, and to look for opportunities to tell the good news of our great Savior. Let's go do that, church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.